Coming up this evening, an NTD business. Further escalation in the West's sanctions against Russia. The US and Europe is set to end normal trade relations with it. Activist investors confront Disney. It's over its relationship with the Chinese regime and the company's race-based employee training. China dominating the electric vehicle market, an important technology of the future. So what are the concerns? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. Economic tensions between Russia and the West are escalating. Now the possibility of serious disruptions to international trade is becoming ever more real. The U.S. and European Union, together with G7 countries, plan to strip Russia of its most favored nation status within the World Trade Organization. That would allow them to increase tariffs, even ban Russian imports. The European Union just announced plans to ban Russian iron and steel. The U.S. announced bans of its own. And all this comes after Putin threatened to block sales of critical fertilizers, oil and gas if the West interfered with its exports. Here's President Biden today. Revoking PNTR for Russia is going to make it harder for Russia to do business with the United States and doing it in unison with other nations to make up half of the global economy will be another crushing blow to the Russian economy. A massive blow to the Russians for sure. But what about the countries that rely on Russian commodities? According to the OEC in 2019, Russia was the world's biggest exporter of wheat, semi-finished iron, raw nickel, and nitrogen fertilizers. Multiple European fertilizer plants just shut down because natural gas prices are too high. Europe gets 45% of its gas from Russia. In order to remove Russia's trade status, Congress still has to approve it, but officials say lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have already signaled their support. Today, the president announcing plans to block American luxury goods going to Russia and propose bans on Russian seafood, vodka and diamond imports. Biden says this will cost Russia $1 billion per year. And joining us now is our ear on the ground in D.C., NTD's Washington correspondent, Melina Wisecup. Melina, great to see you. Thanks for coming on. Happy Friday, by the way. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you, too. Melina, it seems this bill has bipartisan support, not something we hear so often in D.C., but it looks like it's going to go through. Yeah, that's right. There is bipartisan support for this. Actually, lawmakers were planning to vote to revoke Russia's trade status this week, but at the last minute, they had to strip it from the bill under pressure from President Biden, who first wanted to check with allies and make sure they were supportive of this or that they would even join him in taking this action. But it is important to note that the only other countries that don't have this most favored nation trade status are Cuba and North Korea. So Biden taking this action here is really kind of blacklisting Russia, putting them on the same blacklist, if you will, as those other countries. And yes, lawmakers from both sides do support this. They're kind of using it as an opportunity to show how anti-Russia or anti-Putin they are. So the Congress this next week, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she's going to immediately bring this to the floor for a vote to make it official. I think when you look at the images coming out of Ukraine, it's not a surprise to see the support for it. Now, the only thing that, that, that I'm thinking is inflation is a big topic up there, right? Yeah, definitely. Big topic. 
what happens if all the countries in the world rush to find new suppliers as they close the door in Russia? They all go at the same time and prices are driven up even further. Have you heard lawmakers share this concern at all? Now, Paul, I think that's a very important concern. I think that's something lawmakers definitely should pay attention to. If not now, in the coming weeks, they should definitely think about the consequences, the ripple effect that this could have. But so far, I have not heard anybody raise that concern. It seems that lawmakers are more fixated on the rising gas prices in particular. We know President Biden has repeatedly tried to blame this rise in energy costs on this war between Russia and Ukraine, but we know those prices were rising before this invasion took place. Now, Biden has argued that his policies haven't limited domestic production. So we've seen over the past couple of weeks, especially Republicans and some Democrats even, are kind of using this as an opportunity to push for more domestic oil production. But Biden argues that his policies are not limiting domestic production. Now, at the same time that this ban on Russian oil has taken place this week. Biden has also looked to other countries like Venezuela and Iran for oil, which has drawn strong pushback from lawmakers on both sides. The White House is even thinking about reviving the Iran nuclear deal and lifting sanctions on Iran to allow that Iranian oil to flow through the global market, Paul. We've seen those headlines. We've seen the opposition. What exactly is the president trying to achieve with these meetings with would-be adversaries? Yeah, it's kind of hard to think about what the rationale is behind President Biden kind of looking at these other dictators because it's it's rare that you would see any lawmakers supporting buying oil from dictators, at least not openly, not they wouldn't be outspoken about that. Um, some, some lawmakers have actually introduced bills to ban imports from these other countries like Venezuela, which would, if passed, effectively tie Biden's hands and kind of force him to hone in on producing more um, oil here in America. Now, of course, the Democrats do have the majority in both chambers, so any bill like that introduced by Republicans is unlikely to pass, but they are making taking action to do that. And it's important to note here that it's not just Republicans who are critical of Biden looking at these other dictators. We've also seen ranking Democrats skeptical. Uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who's on the Senate uh, Foreign Relations Committee, he's come out and said that he's very critical of President Biden looking at places like Venezuela to replace this Russian oil. Interesting times, to say the least. Melina Weiskup, Entity News, really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, you too, Paul. The sanctions are taking their toll on Russia, according to the International Institute of Finance. It says the Russian economy is on the verge of a financial crisis, which could be even worse than the Great Recession. Per the report, the Russian economy could shrink 15% this year. It's after a series of economic and financial sanctions, including the U.S. banning oil imports from Russia. And now keep in mind, the forecast is based on the assumption that fighting will continue, but won't get any worse. We'll wait and see. But IFF, IIF isn't the only one predicting an economic downturn in Russia. J.P. Morgan says its GDP could fall around 11% this year. It's highlighting sanctions on Russia's central bank and some banks getting kicked off the swift international banking system. A growing number of big foreign corporations are also pulling out of Russia. The country's currency, the ruble, has lost nearly 60% of its value against the U.S. dollar this year. And Russia is retaliating against Facebook's parent company. 
It's asking a court to designate it an extremist organization. Also wants to restrict Instagram, both platforms owned by Meta. Comes after Facebook said it would temporarily allow calls for violence against Russian soldiers on its platforms. Said it won't allow calls for violence against Russian civilians. Facebook says it's because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as we know. But just several weeks ago, the platform confirmed it will allow praise for Ukraine's Azov Battalion. The battalion openly uses Nazi imagery and symbols. It's also allegedly carried out war crimes and torture since 2014. Social media platforms, including Facebook, have restricted or banned Russian media outlets, including state-run Russia Today and Sputnik News, to, to fight disinformation, as they say. And back in the States, Wall Street ended lower after a volatile week. The Dow fell 230 points, 7 tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 lost 55 points, 1 and 3 tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq lost 286 points, but 2 and 2 tenths of a percent today. Consumer confidence dropping to its lowest level in 11 years, according to the latest University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Survey. Yep, it's the I word, inflation. Inflation expectations now at their highest level in 40 years. This week, the war in Ukraine pushed oil prices to over $130 a barrel, sent gasoline prices to record highs. Inflation and the war are the two biggest factors dragging down the economic outlook. The survey shows consumers held very negative prospects for the economy, with the sole exception of the strong jobs market. They're also especially worried about personal finances over the next year. They're expected to worsen by the largest proportion since the survey started in the mid-1940s. So how are Americans handling the rising prices? Anthony's Phil Zoe has more from downtown Manhattan. The national average for a gallon of gas is a record $4.33. It's crazy. Drivers across New York are giving a thumbs down to the gas prices. Home Depot, double price. Gas, double price. Supermarket double price. One New Yorker says he's been eating less meat to save up, but it's not the end. Well, thank God it doesn't affect me where I really, really have to tamp it down on what I spend, but I'm certainly aware of it, and I know it's hurting a lot of people. Josh says it's starting to impact his social life. Going out to bars, going out with my friends, because I'm going to be really pissed off at the, at the gas prices and uh, at the government, and uh, but I'm not going to do anything about it. New Yorker Avery Norris is shopping selectively at the supermarket. I'm buying less avocados. For some reason, Guatemalan avocados are now cheaper than Mexican, so I buy those. I buy a bag of romaine. It's no longer $3, it's 6 Norris says his travel plans might be impacted too. I'm trying to travel to Europe this summer to go visit my girlfriend. So I'm trying to like watch the flights and see when a good time is to buy, because I'm hoping it goes down a little bit, but it probably won't. One New Yorker says if banning Russian oil helps Ukraine, then it's worth it, even if prices are higher. That pushes us to go to alternative methods to save people in Ukraine, then maybe we should go that route. He says he's willing to sacrifice his own comfort to help others. If adding $4 to everything I buy is helping people survive, then yeah, I'll do it. Phil Zoe, NTD News, New York. Regular Americans aren't the only ones feeling the pain at the pump. Truckers are also getting hit hard in gas and diesel. NTD Sean Marshall has more. Rising fuel costs and their trickle-down effect on truck drivers. 
Something the average person probably never thinks about. But a trucker having to pay more for gas could mean higher prices and steeper inflation. It's impacted my wallet. And even people who deliver, people who work DoorDash for a living or Uber Eats, they work just to put gas in the car. The, the, the consumer is going to be significantly impacted as a result of the increased cost of fuel. You know, and, and this is probably light that, you know, fuel was used in the manufacturing or production of about 8,000 goods. Oil prices have surged more than 30% since Russia invaded Ukraine. And the United States and other countries have imposed sanction after sanction. Before the spike, a truck that cost five or six hundred dollars to fill up now costs as much as nine hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. It's insane. What is it? Almost six dollars for ninety-three. The Biden administration has sought to combat rising consumer energy costs in the U.S. and abroad by orchestrating the release of millions of barrels of crude oil from emergency stockpiles in concert with other consuming nations. The American Trucking Association sent a letter to the White House on Thursday, March 10th, asking for an increase in domestic fuel production. But Washington has so far declined to intervene directly at the retail level with tax holidays or direct subsidies. We all know that, that alternative energy is, is the way of the future, and we certainly support that. But, but we also know now's not the time to impede the, the supply chain, which we've had challenges with already, by not taking advantage of the, of the fossil fuel and natural gas that's here in the United States. Republicans hoping to win control of Congress in November have been unrelenting in their criticism of Biden handling of the energy issue. And if we left our policies in place, we would have been able to supply the world with energy. A day after Russia invaded Ukraine, Missouri State Rep Andrew Schwadron, a Republican, filed legislation to suspend the state's motor fuel taxes for six months, citing an emergency to protect consumers from rising prices. Lawyers in other states, including Maryland, Minnesota, New York, and Ohio, have also proposed suspending or rolling back gas taxes. It makes me not want to drive, just because of the amount of money you're going to be putting into the fuel tank. According to the truckers, they can't immediately pass increased costs to the companies who hire them because they've made agreements on rates and can't renegotiate them that fast. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Cost of housing is going up too. New York City, many people are facing much higher rents. NTD's Phil Zoe went to the Upper West Side in New York City to find out more. Gas prices, food prices, housing prices, oh my! The cost of living is rising at the fastest pace since 1982. In New York City, finding a place to call home is getting hard. Rents have been going up even faster uh, than housing prices. So if you go in the residential neighborhoods, uh, which is the majority of the city, it's fairly crowded. Unfortunately for buyers, I'm still seeing home prices trade at rocket high numbers. I visited the Upper West Side in Manhattan and spoke to renter Gabby Freed. She was in the middle of packing when I arrived. With inflation at an all-time high and the fact that salaries haven't increased to meet that inflation, I unfortunately can't afford this apartment. That's because her lease renewal had an $800 increase. That's around a 40% hike from her current rent. 
My lease is up at the end of the month. I'm moving in two weeks. Um, most of my stuff's gonna be moved into a storage unit and I'm moving into Brooklyn just for the time being. Gabby, like many New Yorkers, moved to Manhattan during the pandemic when prices were rock bottom. But the city is coming back to life and some rents are rebounding higher than before the pandemic. With inflation, how much is it gonna cost me to do everyday things like drive a car, buy groceries, even renovate the house? Hurwitz says being flexible about location is one way to go. Phil Zoe, NTD News, New York. The U.S. Senate just approved a $1.5 trillion spending package Thursday. The funding will keep the government running through September 30th and allocate $13.6 billion in military and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. The president is now expected to sign the bill into law, averting a shutdown when the government go- current government funds run out at midnight Friday. Aid for Ukraine has been one of the few issues receiving bipartisan support in Congress. Meanwhile, the fate of a House-approved bill calling for a ban on Russian oil remains unclear. That bill also reviews Moscow's participation in international trade programs. Goldman Sachs now predicting the U.S. economy will grow at a slower pace. It downgraded the growth rate from 3.1% to 2.9%, citing spikes in oil and other commodities. It also says there's a 20 to 35 percent chance that the U.S. economy could see a recession during the next year. Electric vehicle batteries will be among possibly the most important technology of the future, according to one clean energy expert. But a recent report says most EVs will be built with Chinese batteries. Why? Anthony's Don Ma has the details. Electric vehicle batteries are typically lithium-ion batteries, and with increasing demand for electric vehicles, the World Bank projects lithium production would need to ramp up by nearly 500 percent by 2050 just to meet the demand. So then it's important to ask, which country dominates the global lithium battery supply chain right now? The answer is China. They have 60 percent of lithium global lithium processing market. China's mining and battery companies acquired 7 million tons of lithium in reserves and resources in 2021. This is nearly equivalent to the amount of lithium acquired by all other companies combined in 2020. So what are the implications of this? Stefan Koster points out that 40% of the price of an electric vehicle comes from the lithium battery systems. So China could essentially have control over the broader electric vehicle market. Uh, China definitely has an interest in, in dominating the the both the car, the electric vehicle market itself, and then also the battery production stage. And China's certainly seeing the geopolitical uh, advantage of having that processing within within the, their country. And what could be some of the geopolitical advantages? Manufacturers of electric vehicles who want to penetrate the China market will have to deal with China and will have to deal with China's rules and regulations, even if they're vehemently against them or don't believe that they're you know, really following free market dynamics, free market economics. But for everyday Americans, what are the concerns for China being a dominant player in this area? The president of lithium battery manufacturer OneCharge tells us his concerns. We might be uh, either priced out because the price for the lithium ion cells are going to go too high, uh, or we're going to have trouble just uh, securing the supply. 
Tim Carey Mob raises some concerns that China's dominance in the lithium-ion battery market could have implications during periods of high geopolitical tension. China could potentially withhold technology from going to the U.S., and small American businesses that generate jobs and value for the U.S. market might be caught in the crossfire of geopolitical conflict. Don Ma, NTD News. And bad news for U.S.-listed Chinese stocks plunging today after the Securities and Exchange Commission moved closer to delist Chinese firms from American exchanges. Yesterday, the SEC called out five Chinese firms saying they didn't meet audit requirements. That means they could be delisted from American stock exchanges. The five include fast food company Yum China Holdings, the owner of KFC, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut restaurants in China, and biotech group Beijing. This is part of an ongoing audit dispute with hundreds of billions of dollars of U.S. investments at stake. Washington says U.S.-listed Chinese firms should open their books. There have been accounting scandals, think luck in coffee. But Beijing doesn't want to allow any foreign inspection. In December, the SEC said it had identified about 270 companies that were at risk of being delisted, without naming names. Disney was confronted by two activist investors during its annual shareholding meeting over the company's relationship with China and its race-based employee training. The New State Quarter has more. National Legal Policy Center wants to know what Disney is actually doing in conducting its business with China and other countries with poor human rights protections. But all the Disney board has to say for itself is that our proposal is a waste of their time that they don't have enough resources to carry it out. Activist shareholders have confronted Disney over doing business in China and race-based employee training. Paul Chesser is a director at the National Legal and Policy Center, a Disney shareholder. We wanted to present a human rights uh, uh, focused resolution uh, asking the company to deliver a report on an annual basis that uh, requires them to disclose all their interactions with foreign governments. We use China as our obvious uh, focus. Chesser specifically cites the filming of Mulan in the Xinjiang region, where the Chinese Communist Party is persecuting Uyghurs, a Turkic ethnic group native to Xinjiang. To what degree there was slave labor or anything nefarious um, going on up there and whatever cooperation was done, Disney keeps hidden. All they did was thank the local government. And that's highly inappropriate because they're the ones of enforcing these, these uh, human rights atrocities in, in, uh, in that region of the country. Disney's board recommended everyone vote against the proposal, saying that it rests on a misplaced premise and is neither a necessary nor productive use of the company's resources. The resolution ultimately lost. Meanwhile, another shareholder made a proposal regarding race-based employee training. Critical race theory, or CRT, debases human existence by reducing it to a singular element that no one can control, their skin tone. Stop subjecting your employees to racist and Marxist training. The National Center for Public Policy Research proposed that Disney perform an audit of its anti-racism training. One of the names of the programs was called Reimagining Tomorrow, and they had employees of theirs do a, a 21-day reflection on, on how they participate in white culture and um, all kinds of white guilt uh, 
programs based in critical race theory, similar to what you see in schools. Ethan Peck is an associate at the National Center for Public Policy Research. Peck says they want Disney to see what impact this training has on the employees. The board says the proposal mischaracterizes the company's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and shareholders ultimately rejected it. Faye Quarter, NTV News. Quick break, but stay with us. Still to come. Major League Baseball is back. MLB and players have agreed on a new labor deal after talking for over three months. So, when's the first game? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Baseball is back. Major League Baseball and its locked-out players have reached a deal, ending the second-longest work stoppage in the game's history. I have to say I am genuinely thrilled to be able to say that Major League Baseball's back and we're going to play 162 games. Um, I do want to start by apologizing to our fans I know that the last few months have been difficult. There was a lot of uncertainty um, at a point in time when there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Team owners ratified the agreement in a five-year labor deal, including increased minimum salaries, a bonus pool to reward top young players, among some other things. Last December, the MLB locked out players and canceled the first two weeks of the 2022 season. That's as they were working towards an agreement. Now that they've reached a deal, spring training will open on Sunday and the regular season will start April 7th. Doubleheaders have been added to the schedule to make up for those canceled games. If he only had a heart, well, thanks to the Wizard of Oz, the Tin Man finally did get a heart. But don't forget, he also had his trusty oil can, and now you can too. If you had a lot of money to spare, one of the multiple oil cans belonging to the Tin Man, played in the 1939 film by actor Jack Haley, is up for auction. It's all part of the art artifacts of Hollywood and music collection with GWS Auctions. The oil can is thought to be the last original item left from the Tin Man's iconic costume. Opening bids will start at 50 grand. The rest of the Tin Man's distinctive silver-hued costume is thought to be lost, but for this piece, Maybe there's no place like home, your home. As the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Paul Graney, Cancel Catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox, though, that's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. For NTD Business, it's all for this week. Have a great weekend. Thank you for watching. We'll see you Monday.